Welcome, everyone, to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. There's a briefing in 10. Pants are encouraged. The WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 5 on a very special episode is brought to you by Lagos when you want to clean up a mess. Want to give a big shout out of thanks to all those who've been finding our WandaVision podcast lately. Big thanks to all of those who've been pressing that subscribe button uh, as we all try and figure out what the heck is going on with this show. And of course, Pete, it's not just this show that's on our radar, is it? It is not, Matt. Uh, patrons to patreon.com may want to check out what's going on over there for Fantastic Geek as you got a little bit of a listen to the future of Marvel on uh, Disney Plus and uh, the future of Fantastic Geek that uh, everybody else will get a little bit later. Yes, those who are uh, subscribed to our pop culture podcast feed, of course, where all our episodes uh, get simulcast, uh, they're going to be getting that uh, midweek or so. Pete, I don't even know if we want to name what it is, although uh, I heard it might have an ad during the big game tonight for those listening on uh, February 7th, 2021. Uh, but I don't know. Pete, it, it's the best of times to have so much on our on our radar and so many questions and so many theories and so much excitement. Yes, you want to get yourself to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Takes just a dollar uh, to get behind that door and see what's there. See all the other goodies. Could be an early listen. Could be an exclusive all value added here in terms of the podcast. But Matt, so much going on. With WandaVision, you know, like the article making the rounds this week about uh, Jack Schaefer being concerned about the way the story was going to unfold, the unique challenges there. Um, yes, that article made the rounds. I think that it's worth keeping in mind with all of this. The best marketing department in all of Hollywood is Disney marketing. Uh, I've heard it said uh, that you know they can market just about anything to the audience that is that, that is intended. So the fact that now in triumph, the article is making its rounds that she was concerned about things. There's a little sizzle there that adds, you know, like because we we've, we've safely made it through the all sitcom convention and we now kind of, safely understand the convention of the show in terms of real world and show world although obviously many questions exist but um pete jack schaefer continues to be an able showrunner oh we're not supposed to use that term says marvel an able head writer because no one show runs kevin feige indeed so we got that going on we got the big game kicking off some more advertising for Marvel. What else we got, Matt? Pete, we have Ryan Coogler. That's your director of Black Panther, who has signed a deal with Disney Plus uh, to develop all sorts of things. But at the at the core of it is a a Disney Plus TV show exploring the Kingdom of Wakanda. I'm really really excited for this. This news broke a little earlier in the week, and um, I think with the untimely death of uh, Chadwick Boseman, 
this is really going to help in terms of the transition of the Black Panther franchise, the mantle, uh, in terms of this universe. So uh, congrats to Kugler there. Uh, you know, an overall development deal. So a lot of other things coming from him, but definitely a series set in Wakanda for uh, Marvel Studios, Disney Plus. Yet another thing down the road, Matt. Fantastic Geek will be bringing you. Here's the story of a lovely lady. Pete, what's the story? Wanda's trying to get Tommy to sleep. Vision's trying to get Billy down. Apparently, Matt, Darwin's The Descent of Man didn't work. Care to dance, darling? Uh, and indeed they do as they rock the babies. Uh, Vision reminding Wanda that both boys are loved equally. Uh, Vision steps away to go get Binkies. A cute moment where they're in his ears. Uh, and uh, as he steps away, Wanda attempts to magic the kids to sleep, but to no avail. Definitely going to circle back to that later. Uh, this whole scene by the way, is made up of sound design, whether it's the chonky music, the crying babies, the laugh track, dialogue, and so forth. There's barely a moment that there's not some sort of noise nonstop. Uh, it is said out loud that they need help, and with that, uh, friendly neighbor Agnes stops uh, on by. She was on her way to Jazzercise and heard the babies. Uh, she's happy to help, ready to step in, and uh, Vision tries to tell her no, and then... That just seems to to set Agnes off. She kind of asks Wanda if uh, Wanda would like her to take that again, the implication being take the line again. And here, Pete, is where the sound design falls away to nothing, and the scene becomes filled with terrifying pauses. I would only layer the description talking about the sound design to the the total trappings of... 80s television the the pacifiers being spit back out and the blocking of that definitely tv production of a particular time and um that seemingly this i mean would it be the fourth wall if it's television production and wait a minute we're, we're gonna acknowledge agnes is gonna seemingly acknowledge we are in a tv production right now her voice has changed there's that beat there oh no no wait uh she's just confused yeah and this with vision continuing to question the nature of things off to the side Vision uh, with the 80s mushroom haircut now having popped up after he fluffed a pillow with his face. Uh, the the makeup on this particular episode, you know, Agnes's hair with the perm. Um, yeah, just this is total TV production aping an era layering on top of this very, very complex story being told, Matt. I mean, every episode becomes the Emmy submission. Well, that's just it. Yes, the story, first and foremost, the story supports vision in human guise uh, as Agnes comes through. I would then further add to that Paul Bettany, probably about 48 when this episode was filmed, and the the 
the lines of a middle-aged man are better used in this incredibly dramatic moment where he's really starting to question things. He's able to push the emotions onto the screen better being being without the fancy, you know, red clay makeup and the lines and computer effects that have erased things and smoothed them and whatnot. It's just, it's all working together in, in such an amazing way. Um, he notes it's so strange and asks if Wanda really didn't see what he saw. Uh, with that, the kind of sitcom flow starts to resume more. Agnes steps away for a drink, not for herself, but for the babies, which... <laughs> Is both funny, what kind but then also drink though, Matt. Uh, I think it was dark alcohol, uh, dark liquor, uh, witch's brew, maybe. Ooh. Um, however, speaking of sound design, do you hear that? The babies are quiet now, uh, but look, the cribs are empty, and um, with that, where are the kids? They turn around and they're about three. Agnes still off to the side, sipping that drink, seems unsurprised, and notes, "Kid, you can't, kids, you can't control them, no matter how hard you try." They hug the children, pick them up, and we cut to the Family Ties esque title card, Matt, both with Wanda's uh, magic guiding the the brush as it colorizes the black and white portraits and the wanda vision theme interwoven into this new title song with the lyrics here you wander the world with a vision uh, of what life could be then the years come and teach you just wait and see forces may try to pull us apart but nothing can phase me if you're in my heart, uh, just tremendous and intercut. Of course, you know, you get the, the, uh, baby pictures and growing up with, uh, with Wanda, of course, um, Elizabeth Olsen, but then <laughs> with vision, the baby picture in the makeup and the various stages of him growing up. I mean, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm laughing out loud at how deep they went into this credit sequence. Pete, the theme song, I would argue it is intentionally the, the most least good musically. Uh, how, <laughs> however, and again, no, I, I disagree. I, I think in the way that they're directly speaking to elements of the universe to viewers of TV in their universe, which we are viewing uh, it it is the snake eating its tail. There's a reason why uh, co-songwriter Kristen Anderson Lopez has two Oscars. There's a reason why co-songwriter Robert Lopez has two Oscars and is the youngest EGOT winner uh, of all time. It's because this song, lyrically, it's way up here, and then it also just sounds right out of the the '80s. You know, we got love, we got love, baby, we got Wandavision. It's cringeworthy, terrible, and amazing at the same time. By the way, I have to mention, too, in these credits, love the addition, not a musical observation here, of birthday candles one through five as yes. they quick celebrate <laughs> things. So introducing Tommy first, okay? Tommy has the identical haircut in the, the portrait photo to Alex P. Keaton's little brother 
from Family Ties. So that was yet another reference to that show. Coming up in the kitchen, we get the uh, kiss the cook sign, another direct one. Um, Because initially, Matt, I'm watching this and the way that it apes the um, full house set design and in particular the way um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is dressed and made up in this episode. She looks the most like her sisters uh, they've gone for in this series remembering that that show started in 1987. So they're really borrowing chiefly from two sitcoms, both family-based. After the credits, we get static, then we're back in the real world. Pete, for all the people, many of them critics, many of them male, who had a difficult time keeping track of uh, the two timelines in uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women, just want to point out to everybody here when it's full movie widescreen it's the real world when it's something else it's in the world of the tv but seeing those black bars i said ah we're back in the real world we have a voiceover of hayward questioning monica who reports uh at uh having heard monica's uh, pardon me wanda's voice in her head there was a feeling of things keeping her down it was grief uh, this is this voiceover is happening while Monica is wrapping up uh, receiving x-rays. Jimmy and Darcy come on in. Darcy's a big fan of Monica. Um, the doc needs some more info because the x-rays didn't take and she needs to do another blood draw. Um, but Monica tells her no, in part because they want us to talk about that strange detail in our theory segment. <laughs> they do. Uh, Hayward... Uh, gives the briefing here. There's a clearer picture of the crisis emerging. They have the first-hand intel provided by Captain Rambeau of the Westview Anomaly that Wanda is the chief victimizer. Wu recaps uh, history here, necessary exposition on uh, Wanda, born in 1989 to Irina and Oleg Maximoff the first time We've been given the names of her parents here. Uh, killed in an air raid when her and her twin were 10 years old. Uh, Hayward then jumps in that the twins were radicalized by Hydra. Wu kind of pushing back. That is an oversimplification. But yes, uh, the Mind Stone gave her telekinetic and telepathic abilities. Uh, Hayward asks if she has a an alias or a funny nickname. And it's a, it's a great moment here. And I think what Marvel Marvel studios has always done well is, you know, balancing this idea. Okay. Uh, yeah. She is known as the Scarlet witch, but is it too much to out and out call her the Scarlet witch? You know, we do have an iron man. Uh, so they, they walk that line and they choose not to go for it. Uh, the discussion that she had battled against the Avengers before she had earned their trust and become one of them. Incidents in Lagos and Germany, of course, referring to events of Captain America Civil War. On the TV there, uh, it should be noted down on the bottom, the Chiron reads, Wanda Maximoff, terrorist on the loose 
Overall in this scene, Hayward has a decidedly negative view of mutants. Oh, pardon me, I mean the Enhanced. There are, of course, no mutants in the MCU for the remaining 30 minutes of this episode. Um, Perhaps he's pessimistic, although he does fairly point out that Wanda is holding thousands of people hostage. Um, Nonetheless, Monica is on Wanda's side. So two takeaways from this scene thus far... Pete, I felt like it was conspicuous, this idea of no funny nickname. I mean, yes, it's establishing that or reminding that for people, but I felt like, and this isn't necessarily a full kind of theory thing here, but I felt like it's set up for something in the future. Uh, And then also this conflict between Hayward and Monica. I have to admit, I'm kind of slightly more team Hayward than Monica on this particular, uh, on this particular disagreement. Oh, I completely disagree here. Uh, the idea and and Wu and Darcy having that aside there, you know, Wu, the ultimate team player, good guy. Hey, I try not to speak ill of people and Darcy jumping in Hayward's uh, and then cut to him where he says terrorists is just really well done. Uh Monica adamant Wanda is not a terrorist. There's no political agenda. She survived because she was protected. Yes. Hayward points out she shot you halfway across New Jersey, but this was not a premeditated thing. And the use of Monica's words against her, you call this excruciating a violation. She has thousands of people hostage. Yes, but there'd be more if she was not, artificially creating some form of quarantine. Um, So I think what further casts Hayward in a negative light, hey, Monica, remember when you came uh, three weeks after the blip to S.W.O.R.D. headquarters? You know, the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters that I'm now going to show you a video from nine days ago that I completely never mentioned and no one's talked about at all of Wanda stealing the Vision's corpse. I'm glad you mentioned that, Pete, because here you are, uh, you know, uh, giving Wanda a pass, and then we cut to that footage of uh, the corpse theft. Um, indeed, Wanda broke in, stole stole it. If you look carefully, you can see that the body actually is in pieces. It's in a lot of pieces. Um, and it's reiterated that that was nine days ago. Of course, Pete, in the last... In the last week, uh, we all have not only understood, you know, where this episode is in relation to Endgame, but, um, you know, had to remind ourselves that in this timeline, Spider-Man Far From Home has yet to happen. This is fall 2023. That movie takes place in the summer of 2024. So... Again, I like these. I like these reminders. You know, nine days ago was this, and then three weeks ago was that. Like we 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 do need to be tethered to the timeline now more than ever. Um, but ultimately, the notion that Wanda not just stole the corpse but has reanimated it, uh, Jimmy notes that this is a violation of the Sokovia Accords. It's also added that uh, this was against Vision's living will. And uh, Darcy, again, planting the seed for all us theorists at home, what will happen when Vision learns the truth? And how did he come back without the Mind Stone? Uh, Into the TV we push here, where the children are in the kitchen and now have a dog. 
some interesting details, Matt. Again, set dressing in terms of and and makeup, and and wardrobe in terms of expressing elements of the universe here. Uh, I mentioned the kiss the cook sign, but next to that on the TV, the TV, the uh, kitchen island, there is one of the children has painted a pride flag rainbow that is a reference of course to uh the twins comic storyline there's also a tiger on the table this is the second such tiger reference in this episode agnes previously mentioned that ralph can't tame this tiger a tiger of course matt being a gigantic cat uh, we have Vision entering his human human face on, just in case Agnes go. Oh, look! Here's Agnes, who has brought a doggy house in hand. Uh, ultimately, there's a decision. Let's name him uh, as he sniffs near a plug and it sparks. Yuck! 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 Let's name him Sparky. Uh, also, Pete, proof that Sparky flirting with death here. <laughs> um, Wanda magics in a collar and Vision is surprised. Agnes could have seen she was right there. She says that she's tired of hiding her powers from Agnes. Uh, And again, the scene falls silent for a moment. What aren't you telling me? Uh, But ultimately the couple deciding that now is not the right time for Sparky the dog to join the family. They should wait until the boys are, oh, I don't know, let's say 10, (laughs) 10. And then they morph up to age 10. That's great. The, the the beats in this episode, I mean, are a real product of not only the writing and the editing and the special effects. The, the other moment I think here really bears mentioning where Vision breaks back to that tone. You know, usually, Wanda, you and I are so much of the same mind. I feel like he's, he's talking right out of uh, Infinity War and boom you know you get this moment that might have read on the page absurd like all right this is in a universe where again we have an iron man and an ant man but we're gonna morph up two children from the age of five to ten and there's a dog sniffing at a sparking uh outlet but it it works they make it work the story takes us outside the show where Jimmy's got coffee uh, and inside the tent. Monica just needs all the stuff to make a giant shielded tank to enter Westview. No problem, or at least it's theoretical. She'll take theoretical. Uh, she knows an aerospace engineer who's up to the challenge and texts them uh, Pete discussion as to who that could be. I think we have a pretty good feeling as to who it will be, but I digress. Uh, the nature of the show's reality, the WandaVision show's reality is pondered. Are all the props and costumes made by Wanda? Uh, reminder that Wanda is powerful, perhaps the most powerful, almost beat Thanos, um, perhaps even almost Captain Marvel powerful. Uh, conspicuous is that Monica clearly does not want to talk about Captain Marvel, but takes the story back to the sets, the props, the costumes. Yes, and they head to the lab here where the outfit that she exited the hex, ah, I just used it, uh, is actually there. Are they mind-controlled to be able to see it? It is real. Uh, Monica takes Jimmy's gun, fires it at the pants. Uh, The slugs peel off of it, 
and it's noted that the outfit is 87% Kevlar. She went in wearing a bulletproof vest. So Wanda is rewriting reality, Matt. A, that's your great example there of show, not tell. They could have done the scan and said it's 87% Kevlar, but they showed it as well. Good job, uh, Jack Schaefer and writing crew. Second, Pete, I know we had... We had circled around this topic in previous podcasts, um, particularly since the either the bulletproof vest or part of the sword uniform was blue, and then Monica in blue within the show. So I'm glad to see that we're picking up some things uh, from the get-go here. Um, and then the scene ending with this question, what if they send something that doesn't require any change, you know, an 80s thing for the current 80s show? At visions job here he's talking with norm uh love the inclusion of the dial-up for the internet uh hey kids it, it used to be that painful uh and the discussion of electronic mail here and then it gets weird we're not just norm but everyone in the office reads the sword email aloud and then laughs Indeed, the gist of it being that uh, Dr. Darcy Lewis has findings regarding the Maximoff anomaly um, and the show highlighting with that, you know, all the residents there reading it in monotone, highlighting that this is something worth paying attention to. Um, After the moment passes, Norm jokes that that email is just a joke uh, and Vision zaps him. We get a new view, a new version of Norm who is terrified, wanting to get... uh, to get in touch with the person who is, uh, well, pardon me, get in touch with his sister. Uh, and Vision is told by Norm, you have to stop her. She's in my head. It hurts so much. Pete, also use of the ambiguous pronoun she, something that we'll dig into also in theories. Yes. Uh, then he needs to call his sister because they're taking care of his sick father uh, before he's touched again by Vision and restored to uh, the, the mind control that's being exerted on him back to the Wanda vision, uh, a story, Matt and your sitcom home where the children are training, uh, Sparky. Uh, they can't wait to show dad, but, uh, Oh, he's at work. It was Saturday this morning. No, no, it's Monday kids. No, wait, he had an emergency. No, he needed a distraction. And uh, the overt dialogue to the viewer, though to the children, sometimes mommy and daddy are not on the same page. Family is forever. Do you have a brother, mom? She says that he's far away, although as it turns out, closer than I think. I mean, this was... Are you saying another part of L.A.? Is he, <laughs> is he in another... Uh, you know, universe that's since been uh, acquired. Like, what? What does far? Is he far away from home? Like, what? What is that exactly? It might have been Insider.com, but there was one news article that said that this this thirty second cameo only cost seventy one point eight billion dollars. Yes. yes. <laughs> Which was a cute way to say, you know, because that was the Fox purchase, you know, and 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 whatnot, but. Uh, with that, Sparky hears something, and so does Wanda. She goes outside, 
we see that it is a successful drone. We get some intercutting between the two worlds and some dialogue to support uh, the fact that this is a 1980s era drone that's being flown by Monica. Uh, Jimmy points out that the show is not showing it. Wanda framing it out of the shot, or so it is presumed. Uh, Wanda is the censor, so we are led to believe. Uh, Hayward at this point calls for another uh, a drone operator um, to take the shot, take the shot, uh, but no dice. And with that, the perimeter alarm sounds. And having been through the perimeter alarm uh, in last week's episode, we kind of... I mean, we don't know exactly what's about to come out, but certainly the notion of the perimeter alarm, now we now this is a routine that the show has established. Yes, and to uh, the perimeter at night, a real motif when things seem to come in and out as well. Uh, the SUVs, uh, guns with green laser sights here, and uh, after a couple beats... Wanda exits in her, uh, I say film universe outfit, but the outfit we're, we're more accustomed to seeing her in, dragging the drone, uh, told by Hayward that the missile was a precaution. And here, uh, Olsen really leaning in on Wanda's Sokovian accent, understandably, again, this is their only warning Stay out of my home. If you don't bother me, I won't bother you. Monica here asserts that Wanda is the one in control and that uh, Wanda must know that Monica was an ally helping deliver the twins. Uh, Wanda ultimately has the troops uh, aim at Hayward. Pete, that's the use there. You know, you had the, the green laser sights, which were which made the scene interesting, but then you realize, oh, it was all set up to just make very clear, look, there's 30 green lines pointing at the boss. Um, with that, uh, with that uh, Wanda returns, passing through the border, and I must admit, Pete, my eyes saw it every time, but it was only in the third view that I said, wait a minute, is that border being reinforced by her red magic? Absolutely. So whatever the nature of it and this discussion as a line in the sand that you have trespassed, I'm going to tell you yet again, leave me alone. I live here now. And uh, in case you don't understand how color works, now I'm firmly going to remind you that this is my magic, maybe on top of other magic. Uh, with that triumphant moment there, we cut to a commercial for Lagos brand uh, towels uh, for when you make a mess you didn't mean to. So, yes, we've had the Hydra stuff, and there's the Hydra connection to Age of Ultron, um, and the Stark stuff and the connection and whatnot, but this may be the most finger-pointing of the, of the ads so far, of course, referring to that, uh, that mistake where, uh, in Civil War where, uh, where Wanda couldn't handle the explosion properly, and, uh, and people paid the price for it. I mean, mistake, Matt, quote-unquote. This connects, this brought in... Wakanda, okay, we mentioned Kugler's deal and a Wakanda set uh, show at the beginning here. If not for this mistake, uh, we 
don't make that bridge, bring in Wakanda, Black Panther. Oh, and the added benefit of Lagos brand paper towels. Husbands can use it too, you know. Back in the world of the show, uh, Sparky is still missing, though the postman nods to Wanda, ma'am. He knows that mom won't let the dog get too far. So a little suggestion there of, of, if not he as a, you know, as a mind-controlled character chafing at the control, but just the notion that, uh, again, the notion within the story and as well as for the audience at home that Wanda is completely in charge, uh, something that we will debate. Ultimately, though, sad moment as the dog is found in Agnes's azalea bushes. Uh, He ate too many of the leaves and is gone now, wrapped in a blanket, and... Curiously, the boys are all set to age themselves up, to age themselves past the grief. But Wanda talks uh, clearly, ironically, about how it's a bad idea to run from sad feelings, even as they say, come on, Mom, fix the dead, fix the dead. It's clear setup for later on. Um, Agnes emerging with the dog in the blanket just broke me. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a super sad moment. And in a certain sense, I feel like Agnes is the key to the scene here in terms of is the show are the show tropes projecting onto the story uh the notion of the sad life lesson that is a that is a staple of many of these shows. Uh has Agnes played a role in it? Uh either for story purposes and again i'm talking about the story you know within the world of the tv um has agnes perpetrated this to to advance a storyline is there some other aspect to it um agnes does look shocked at this idea you know come on mom fix the dead she looks shocked that wanda can do that um which is in stark contrast to asks her if she can do that yeah um and, and this contrasted to the more knowledgeable take that she had back uh, in the the 70s episode. Um, But ultimately, um, our hero reinforces that you can't rush aging or reverse death. Some things are forever. Uh, And with that, Vision arrives to see what's up. He, of course, somebody who uh, (laughs) we can assume has had his death reversed. (laughs) And, you know, we just continue to peel back these mysteries and and this is where you know writers earn it in terms of layering on that dialogue the level of sophistication with the world building and the rules that we know and what will ultimately come and then of course the wardrobe of paul bettany in these high-waisted pleated uh work pants and you know, as he comes in from the backyard and goes to wash his hands, the story implication being that he just buried the dog. Paul Bettany looks grief-stricken, um, not just reflecting on, again, the in-story events, but also sharing with uh, Wanda that he freed Norm for a short time and that Norm was in pain. Uh, here Vision is sneering at Wanda. Uh, you just want to watch TV and go to bed and change everything over again. He notes that he cannot be controlled like all the others can and uh, with that she wonders if he can't be controlled that bringing an end point to the tv episode the credits rolling uh but then he starts to ask about the maximoff anomaly the credits suddenly stop and 
things are now tension is now increased by quite a bit yet another moment if we were to get our hands on this script prior to this episode and read this i'm not sure we would have taken it seriously like this is somebody's ridiculous pass at what a marvel uh show might be like they're gonna roll the credits and continue to have an argument in a dramatic moment and this will be taken seriously and they absolutely nail the tone where we're in on this it is both darkly humorous and super serious Vision says he wants to know what's outside of Westview and indeed what life was like before Westview. He can't remember. He's scared. Wanda reinforces that he is a husband and a father and that should be enough. He questions the lack of children in Westview, again, something we've discussed, uh, and Wanda denies, at least by implication, that she is controlling everything and everyone. Indeed, Pete, a key reveal here that I think is easy to overlook. She admits that she does not know how all of this started. With that, ding dong. This after a moment, Matt, the the cutting of the credits as they exit the kitchen, then the full on, uh, I'm in the vision makeup, you're going to levitate, I'm going to levitate. You're going to prepare to use your powers against one another uh, leading up to, you know, the, the very special episode idea of a last minute visitor, possibly a huge cameo. Yeah. And the way this reveal is written, the way it's shot, the way it's edited, it's magnificent. Uh, indeed, the doorbell rings twice. Uh, this after Wanda saying she has not caused this. She opens the door. We see shock on her face, but no reverse. Intercut is Darcy seeing that something is up story-wise. We get the close-up on Vision. Who is this? And then we're over the shoulder as silver hair comes into view. It's already an electric moment. Uh, then we get the reverse shot, and it is, of course, what can easily be stated here as the X-Men universe Quicksilver, who, in case you don't know who he is, we get with dialogue, can't, uh, can't a guy squeeze his long-lost sister? Um, Darcy notes that Pietro has been recast, uh, and the siblings hug the show-ending sitcom style, and this perhaps the best use of the beginning of the actual you know disney plus tv show credits where we get the please stand by it's more troubling than ever what's the deal with this episode uh pete why can't wanda magic the babies to sleep um can't control children we're told by agnes no other children in westview uh, clearly there is something up with children. I mean, the, the thing the episode never answers intentionally. So, uh, how is it, where is it possible that she has children now? Um, so firmly confident that explanation is coming. Um, is this how mutants are, going to appear for the first time will will that word be uttered uh 
it's allowed now, right, Matt? Remember all those years? It was inhumanly uh, possible to say it. <laughs> um, I'm of several mindsets as to whether this could usher in the age of mutants, uh, in part because you know so much is tied to the x-men experience of your powers developing in your early teens and yes we could do a time jump but kind of how those two might merge i'm not quite sure um within the show the show in the show pete who's in charge of the script we of course have you know have the idea that wanda can quote have agnes try the line again uh, unquote maybe that's not a direct quote from the show but the the, the sentiment is uh, is Wanda in charge or is it someone else? I think Wanda's a co-producer at this point. I mean, she clearly gets a writing credit. I mean, could it go to, um, you know, the, the WGA in terms of some kind of arbitration, uh, you know, top line somewhere below it? Certainly possible, but she's definitely getting a credit. I, after last week's episode, I was more on board with the idea that Wanda is the sole villain and that will set up things nicely for Doctor Strange 2 and so forth. But, you know, again, kind of this confusion that Wanda has over trying the line again to move a bit later in the episode. Um, the idea that Norm is blaming the she, the her. Um, in third view, Pete, I had a I had a Cinema Sins, you know, the great YouTube channel. Uh, this moment, this ding, ambiguous pronoun, or you know, he did it, she did it, that kind of thing. So, could Agnes be the ambiguously pronoun she? Uh, if Agnes is there in service of the story, which is something that we've really settled into, especially in this episode, could the ambiguous she be Dottie, who has been called our devil, who's been called the key to it all? I mean, they're they're both possibilities at this point the amount of which imagery and dialogue that gets given to agnes obviously we've not seen Dottie in a little bit here um you know that they're trying to lead us or misdirect us that it's her you know this idea she's looking for liquor that you uh, spoken to, of course, Wanda and Vision, but really more so to Wanda. You can't control children. Uh, Wanda asking why they won't do what she wants. Um, and then this decision to have everybody in Vision's office read this email, how this email is accessed by controlled people in the hex is an interesting inclusion so what other control is being asserted on them how do they get access to this it's not like they're plugged into dial-up technology you know ancient uh communication lines to be able to access that like that was an unusual inclusion I feel like there's enough in this episode to really start to consider um, the notion of a, a, a of a big bad that we have yet to fully meet, whether it's Dottie, whether it's Dottie as Mephisto, whether it's a brand new person. Um, I feel like, again, the, the I feel like there's enough in this episode to be pointing out that it's not Wanda who's just behind it and that's it. 
um, moving outside the world of the show, at least for a couple questions here, why were um, Monica's x-rays blank? Why was the blood draw bad? Is this tied to the radiation? I don't know that it's necessarily tied to the radiation. Um, if you know the comics, you know that uh, Monica Rambeau is her own superhero with powers. Are we creating a situation where she's going to develop powers as a result of going into and exiting the hex? That's a really interesting idea, and or it's the reveal that you know she had them all along, or whatever the backstory might be. That would that would help explain the fact that Monica was expelled through two walls, a fence, then you know couple hundred feet landed on her back i mean on the one level you go it is a comic book tv show of course you can otherwise she would be dead and the story does not want her to be smashed into a pulp when she hits the studs behind the first wall um but maybe you have hidden in plain sight in her expulsion the fact that she's super strong and then with this medical the the dual medical dig here and the fact that monica does seem standoffish to doing the test again on first view, it comes off as she's just, you know, wants to keep the story moving. But, uh, Pete, I really like the idea that we're setting that up in plain sight. Um, moving on to Jimmy, uh, indeed, to quote him, how could Wanda bring Vision back without the Mind Stone? Uh, remember, fleetingly, Matt, in that second episode, in between the floors and the, um, the title card of the Bewitched style uh, credits we quickly see uh, uh some sort of helmet we see bones that is a direct allusion to the character of grim reaper from the comics so if not mephisto if not uh agnes here who says in dialogue in this episode wait you you can bring back the dead uh that um perhaps grim reaper might be the culprit Pete, do you know any aerospace engineers who also are going to be in Falcon and Winter Soldier and maybe get their own spinoff show in about 18 months? I mean, you're saying that it's definitively uh, Captain Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine. I mean, he's the strongest possibility. Is there an opportunity to introduce another comic character or to layer somebody else with oh this person who is also an aerospace engineer let's not forget matt that i mean for me one of the most tantalizing aspects of the multiverse that this episode begins to uncork that is going to stretch into at least two tv shows and at least two movies is the idea that uh we will revisit events and characters done differently what if tom cruise was an iron man uh so could that be something that they go to pull here here is anthony stark uh you know close in on shot of uh tom cruise from the uh the xeno universe i mean it's it's certainly far-fetched but um you know, it, it would seem to be roadie until they definitively link that up. 
I, I mean, she's going to text him. Then quickly comes the distracting question about Captain Marvel. And I think that creates a lot of questions. Well, Pete, we've we've danced around the issue a little bit here. And this next issue, it's the big question. It's the one that I think has really, um, in, in, a, in a playful sense, has really split the fandom. Is Evan Peters Quicksilver the Fox X-Men Quicksilver for real, or is he an illusion? I think they're walking a super fine line that they're going to uh, tease us with for as long as they can until ultimately there is a definitive explanation for what's what. Um, Where I thought you were going to go with your question is, is this the big cameo the luke skywalker moment because in the media and you know i still think of myself as a member of the media uh you know there's been this persistent question of and i'm worried the trope now of disney plus shows at some point have the luke skywalker out of nowhere cameo well, prior to this episode, yes, Elizabeth Olsen had said, again, in this really amazingly crafted PR push, where it's the opposite of the Netflix style, where everybody does press for a couple days, and then it all releases on the Friday, and no one cares on Monday. They've continued to, st- to stoke the fire here. She had said that there's a, as you said, Pete, Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian. Hope that didn't just spoil anybody out there. Um there's been, that there's going to be a cameo of that size. So I know that there was some stuff on social media, uh, alleged footage or stills or something that I copiously avoided. But my one question to you, Pete, via text Thursday night was, is, the, is this supposed big cameo in the next episode, in episode five? And you said, uh, no, it's, if it is true, it exists later. So I do want to return to this discussion. I want to to go back to that. I don't know that you have that correct. I I said, I don't know if what I've seen occurs in this episode. I had been led to believe. So there is footage. There are entire clips of footage that are out there with watermarks and everything. It's believed that these came from overseas. Matt, though he avoids these in his spoiler safe room or whatever he has, uh, knows that they're out there. So knows enough about them, but doesn't watch them. And then two uh, knows that there's all sorts of threats that, the person has been caught and fired or will be caught and fired or whatever. But I'll, I'll put it to you this way. We're, we're not done with Evan Peters, um, Quicksilver. He's in footage from another episode that looks a lot like it's going to happen next in terms of chronology. Um, and I had seen that. So when you're asking me, you know, uh, Thursday night before we've seen this episode, does it happen in that one? I had a blind spot, but I knew he was coming and the chatter had been so loud. I mean, this was a very poorly kept and that's okay because this might not be the Luke Skywalker cameo or cameos. Cause that's a thing on the, on the table as well. 
Um, there's so much both in production and post-production that they could pull from a number of things, not to mention, you know, completely sideways, you know, does Magneto come in some way? Do they dip in again with the, the Fox acquisition, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, it bears mentioning that the descriptive audio. So, uh, one of the, one of the great advents in particular with a lot of these streamers, Netflix, and, and we had encountered it with daredevil. Um, we had a blind listener who wrote in and talked about watching it with the descriptive audio. Um, and the descriptive audio of the end of uh, this WandaVision episode reads, in Westview, Wanda stares at the version of Pietro from the X-Men films. The notion of Evan Peters being involved with this production, it it goes so far back that I kind of don't remember when it was news. Um, I do remember discussion being... Um, you know, that's not to say that he's playing Quicksilver. He's a very able actor. He plays a variety of characters in the American Horror Story shows. So kind of no guarantee there. Although obviously smart money was on him as Quicksilver. Um, I would agree that this is not the this is not a Luke Skywalker level cameo. Pete, before we continue to, to dig down with Quicksilver here, I want to get my prediction, perhaps my hope that the big cameo that we're going to get might be none other than SPS himself, Sir Patrick Stewart. I mean, that that might break a universe. Certainly the internet. I, I'm, I'm going to fairly firmly say I don't think that's coming. Bottom line, though, whoever the big cameo is returning squarely to the presence of quicksilver here what are your thoughts pete is this the real quicksilver which would suggest which in my mind is the easiest answer it's the occam's razor in terms of we know we are headed towards a multiverse it's the word multiverse is in the name of the next thing that elizabeth olsen is going to be in for marvel That she's filming now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that she's filming now. We know that when Spider Home, still untitled Spider Home Three, Pete maybe titled tonight during the Super Bowl, um, you know, major rumors of you know of of many characters from multiple Spider Man universes appearing. Um, to me, it, the easy, the easiest, most obvious answer is this is the real Quicksilver because the universes are converging or the multiverse uh, threads are now open. Are you on board with that, or are you going to take this away all as... Because here's the other end of it, not to argue my own question here, but did they really go out and get Evan Peters and put him in the gray wig and have him play X-Men Quicksilver so that they can say, no, it's just, you know, um, Mephisto's actually the bad guy, and that's Dottie, and Dottie just chose a random guy with a random face uh, and was like, "Uh, we're recasting, and like, that's really not an acceptable answer, is it? But looking at all the trappings of this episode, the discussion with Agnes and uh, Wanda, the children, you know, wanting her to use abilities to bring back the dead. Wait, you can do that? I'm cradling a dead dog right here. I mean, there's such density and possibility to it. So has she in a moment of 
distraction, dropping the ruse, preparing to use her powers against Vision, who is pushing back against this reality, uh, brought her brother, summoned her brother, who was far away over there in 20th century Foxland, um, over. I mean, it's pregnant with possibility. I'm really, really eager to see. I think if it's outright dismissed, it it becomes something more of parody. And, you know, will there be a moment in one of these productions, you know, will Stephen Strange explain to us, okay, so he saw all these 14 million plus realities in which the Avengers were unsuccessful. Um, so he's seen things unfold differently. Um, will he give us a two minute exposition that, uh, Thanos's defeat collapsed every reality into one reality where now we have all these things. So two versions of one character have coalesced into a person that Wanda in a fit of rage and distraction wished for uh, much like wishing for half of creation to come back that, uh, you know, Hulk did. Uh, but, but nobody who was in an airplane at that time uh, suddenly showing up in midair uh, five years later, because the airplane wouldn't be in the same spot. There is an explanation forthwith that we don't have it right now. Obviously it facilitates uh, a theory discussion on uh, the most listened to WandaVision podcast. Pete, I'll ask you a third time because I want you on the record here. <laughs> is this is this the Fox X-Men Quicksilver for real or or not? Wh- whether I... he has been pulled through the multiverse <laughs> or whether it's w- whatever the larger reasons. Is this the character from those movies who now has shown up here? Maybe his memory has been wiped or brain scrambled or maybe it's from uh, Howard the Duck uh, esque, you know, dimensional <laughs> laser thing. You know, Don't even but... open it up to Howard the Duck now because, <laughs> you know, ding dong, who's that? Uh, you know, you're out of luck until you go duck. Um, Matt, what I've seen does not answer the question. Hence, I can't answer the question. So I will remain off the record because that's the other thing, too, is it's spoiler Pete hedges his bets. <laughs> well, I am all in on this being the real Quicksilver, not a copy, not a... I Again, I fully reject the idea that the story's explanation is going to be Somebody, whether it's Wanda, whether it's the real baddie, whomever, somebody reached out into the ether and found a recasting of of Pietro, and it just so happens to look like the guy who has played a, the only other version of a MCU character that's also been in the Fox universe, like it, Occam's Razor. Sometimes the easiest route is the route. Pete, what theories do you have? Are you aware? of the other cameo rumors making the rounds. I'm aware of the discussion of the Luke Skywalker caliber cameo. And I'm aware that no one thinks that having Evan Peters show up is, is the same as generate multi-generational icon, Mark Hamill showing up. 
uh, albeit by way of deepfake or whatever. But beyond that, no, I'm not familiar with further rumors. One of them was mentioned by name in this episode. I, I think that something we continue to return to in terms of the plan, the Marvel Studios plan was Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know what you're going to get. You know what it's going to look like. It's the familiar world. It's maybe, you know, dealing with some new things, but it's very familiar. All right, now that we've proven we can do this, let's hold hands together as we have to inch out into this weird show. And if you don't like it, you're going back and watching Falcon reruns. Stick with us. And then, obviously, production got got all turned around. Anything is possible in this show, and I would not... Particularly, you add to it the break in production due to COVID. Does that give you an opportunity for, you know, to get any possible actor that you want who will say yes to stand in front of a green screen, an LED screen, footage shot on their iPhone in 4K, whatever it is, and turn it into something. It's it's more possible now than it was the way Marvel Studios envisioned things a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, etc. So if Thanos shows up in Westview, would that be too much? I think, would I accept it? within the narrative structure, I would. Do I think that some characters need to stay dead in order to just give the permanence? Yes, I'd say I say no more Thanos. Now, could you do archive footage or something like that? Okay, may, there's a little bit of an out there. Tony Stark needs to stay dead and not brought back in some sort of, um, you know, I brought him back in a, a haze of red smoke. I think that that would just take away from his potency, the potency of his death. Again, same thing. Could you have archive footage? Maybe. But I think that to have a version of those two characters appear to appear in living color, I think that that, I think story-wise it pushes things too much. Although this is the story that could handle it. So that Thanos is brought up uh, and obviously having perpetrated what he did, it, it makes sense that his name would eventually be uttered. Um, but that it's in discussion with Wanda's abilities. Oh, how much power does she have? Are these twins hers? Could she create life? Uh, whereas Thanos um, destroyed, disappeared, uh, snapped away half of all uh, living things. Well, wait, but Wanda could have taken out Thanos had he not initiated a blitz. Oh, but also Captain Marvel could have. Did Jimmy, did Darcy watch Avengers Endgame? Was this live streamed, <laughs> the movie that we all watched, did they watch? I read it as this. I think that... I would assume that Jimmy and Darcy both um, were not snapped away. Now, could it have been the case for one or the other? Yes, but I think for story purposes, it's easier to say they digested the information of the the battle the, the battle of Wakanda, the loss to Thanos. They digested that in real time, um, saw what the world was like over the five years, and so forth. It also makes them more stable workaday characters. Um, as we pick them up here in 2023 uh, versus Monica, who's still, you know, settling into, into the new reality. Um, I think that probably in the last three weeks, 
uh, which is to say three weeks since the blip and people returned, I think that they, they as people who are connected to investigation and science and then add to it, connected to some of these heroes, I think that they probably would be in the know in terms of... First of all, I think everybody would be in the know. Just as, just as Pete, you have billions of people now in our world who understand the broad strokes of... Uh, you know, virology and um, vaccine manufacturing. And, and or on you know, Facebook, Matt, there's actually more people on Facebook that understand those things than anywhere else. <laughs> well, um, I'll tell but, you all about it. Absolutely. But again, my, my point being that we can casually talk about, you know, um, the protein, protein spikes and things like that. Um, I think that when half of the population of the planet suddenly comes back and the day is saved, oh wait, but the day is not saved because I missed the death of a parent or because of you know all, all these kind of after effects that we understand better because of this show. Um, I think anybody who's lived through that, let alone has lived through the last five years unsnapped, I think you just have an understanding of, of world events as they occurred in, in the last five years and in the last three weeks. Well, and, and you returning to what I was going to say there. In the last three weeks, half of all life has come back. This gigantic battle was fought. Vision's corpse was stolen. This anomaly has occurred. Like, for Jimmy and Darcy, there's no way they were snapped. They've been here the whole time. I just wonder, like, how did they hear and process in those three weeks, hey, uh, Wanda was beating the crap out of Thanos and probably would have finished him off. Hey, Captain Marvel returned from uh, wherever she was. Oh, by the way, Monica, uh, why won't you talk to us about Captain Marvel? How are you laying a story for Captain Marvel 2 right now? We'll just gloss completely over that purposefully and and I think well done uh, to, to deal with other issues. I just wondered, like, is is that a thing that was seen? Was was there a nano camera that um, you know live cast that everywhere? Again, I think it's just the fact that the story gets the story gets told. By the way, I'll mention as you were recounting all these things that are coming out of another movie or heading to another. Uh, Iron Man two gets a bad rap. I would argue a worse rap than it deserves, in part because when we all saw Iron Man two new. So much of this story was bogged down by setting up the this thing over there, the that over there, and so forth, that it was like, why can't you do what you did with the first one, which is tell me an Iron Man story and maybe have a hint at the end that the universe is bigger. You go back and watch it now and you're like, oh my goodness, it's the, the debut of Black Widow. This is fantastic. Look how far we've come in the last 10 years. And of course, Coulson is off to go to the Thor adventure and on and on and on. Here we are in this episode alone, Pete. We are coming out of Endgame. We are connecting to Ant-Man and the Wasp. We are perhaps setting up in a real definitive way elements of Captain Marvel 2 and Monica Rambeau and her powers and dealing with Wanda's after effects and where she's headed for another movie. I mean, this is as hashtag gets all connected as you can get. And we don't complain at all. Like, oh, you're leaving mysteries that's going to get solved in a movie <laughs> in 18 months or two years. Like, it's all bring it on, bring it on. Don't forget a character who is connected with Thor and that franchise and how uh, Thor Love and Thunder is filming now and what's going to take place there that, again, 
potentially bends a universe. Um, speaking of bending, Matt, the previously on segment in this episode features a key dialogue change. Oh, does it? Tell me more. Where's Geraldine? Um, what was the change? Previously on WandaVision in episode three, uh, Wanda answers that question. Oh, she left, honey. She had to rush home. Um, there are different takes of that scene, uh, at least in terms of an edited version. The fourth episode, out of focus, but clearly a different color, um, is Vision's head uh, appearing as Thanos snapped the Mind Stone out of it. But the dialogue remains the same. The beginning of this episode features a completely different take of dialogue. She's gone. She didn't belong here. You now have me wondering if the previously on segment is a safe story space or not but which is to say you know when we pete if you go all the way back to uh less than a month ago when this show started and it was like okay there's the world of the sitcom and sitcom rules you know and then at the very end you go nope there's a larger world and you say okay i get it there's this different stuff here but it was clear what was what was the the Disney Plus show that we're watching, and then you have the Marvel Studios logo and the credits and whatnot that are not the show you're watching. It's things that happen in our real world to give the audience information and understanding and credit and things like that. Now you have me wondering, do we need to be watching those previously ons, which, oh, by the way, do not have a skip past button as there was for at least Mandalorian Season 1 had them. I want to feel like maybe that went away for Mandalorian Season 2, but... There, there is the there's a real easy ability to say click now to not get this recap. But these shows, th this show does not have it. Do we now need to be watching that because Wanda is watching us and trying to? Uh, obviously, I'm saying it somewhat metaphorically that Wanda is watching us. But do we need to be careful with the previously on segment that it might be Wanda or whomever trying to shape our understanding of things? I, I mean, it's certainly a possibility, but from the moment I saw that, I was like, this is different than what was said before and went back and compared the two. They, they are different. Um, the issue with uh, Monica, the doctor needs her uh, x-rays or MRIs and uh, blood needs to be redrawn. Uh, no, we can't do that. I got to get to this briefing here. Uh, I think that lays a path forward to whatever powers Monica may develop. I I think you must be right because it's one of those things that was conspicuous and not conspicuous in a way where, uh, like, for example, Dottie is the devil. She's the key to it all. You say, okay, you're giving me some kind of clue, whether it's a misdirect, whether it, well, whether it's a misdirect or whether it's true. I guess those are our two options ultimately. Um you know, the show is kind of saying, look here. Instead, this is noticeable, but it's not connected to anything else that we know of. Um, so whenever we see those powers, I think it's officially on the table. She's getting powers, or we will see powers on screen at some point in this show or at the movies or whenever. Is Hayward a Skrull shapeshifter? 
Um, that in my mind would be the only acceptable way to make him be a bad guy. I, many people online, including some of our listeners who've, who've sent in tweets are all set to paint Hayward as, as a bad guy. Maybe he's not the big bad who created the hex, but that he, he's the baddest guy in the sword forward operating, uh, field camp thing. To me, I keep seeing him be um conservative not not politically but kind of kind of conservative with his take towards safety him being him keeping an eye towards not assigning uh hero points just because somebody fought, uh, fought thanos but saying in the here and now wanda may be a threat i am much more um I'm much more willing to hear that Hayward is an okay guy. Now you could have your cake and eat it too if it's revealed that what another director of a semi-secret organization that uses an acronym that starts with the letter S is also a scroll bad guy. Uh, it would show that the scrolls have a have a type if nothing else. So Hayward knew it was Wanda all along he's sharing this video and he sent Monica in there knowing it was Wanda who came and took vision. I doubt like, Oh, Hey, Wanda Maximoff stormed this facility uh, within the last nine days. Let's say she was in there two, three days within the last week. Like that doesn't come up in their conversation at all, whether he thinks it's related to what's going on in Westview, New Jersey, or completely unrelated, like that doesn't come up. Well, I, again, I'll take the benefit of the doubt for him, uh, and this is probably when uh, I go back and listen to this in six months and go, "No, Pete teed up the truth perfectly. You should have listened to him." But I buy it that whomever has oversight over the classified stuff, if not the acting director, um, I. I would buy it that this um, incursion is being kept very secret because you have an Avenger who helped save all, you know, save half of all life now is on the loose and an X factor, no pun intended. So I get why that would stay buttoned up. I don't know that necessarily just because something, something weird happened where the FBI says something strange and people aren't remembering or, you know, like, I, I buy the vagary of what Jimmy Woo had communicated and that the assist from S.W.O.R.D. would make sense. Um, and in the context of the world that they've been living in for the last three weeks, some people have a weird memory thing does not seem high on the list. So I guess I buy it as presented and I buy it that you wouldn't necessarily say, oh no, there's an angry Avenger who is doing what they want and we can't control them. Oh, and... Iron Man is dead, and some of the, can we assume, some of the Avengers and whatnot who were on spaceships flew away, and Wakanda's, you know, back to work. I don't know who to, you know, like, these these two might not pe uh, appear to be connected, is my point. You know, that we've dipped, potentially, not definitively, to the Fox X-Men universe at this point. Uh, Hayward referring to Wanda as a terrorist, this thing that was on the, the TV when the Lagos incident happened, she has, uh, you know, been somebody that the world has regarded with some concern being powered by an infinity stone. Um, you know, again, is, is this the way in which mutants 
are retconned, are, are brought in, is that still forthcoming, all remains to be seen. Um, you know, d- does Hayward and, and people like him who are against enhanced people, ergo the Sokovia Accords, you know, how does all that get merged and reconciled? The idea, too, Vision had a living will. He didn't want to become anyone's sentient weapon. Um, and indeed it would appear that, I don't know, it would appear that S.W.O.R.D. may have been circumventing that. Now, to be fair, given the ambiguous at best and probably largely non-functional at worst state of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't know who else in the MCU would be better to have Vision's remains for posterity for research without reanimation whatever it might be you know add to that no tony stark in the world um again pete i find myself coming to the defense of hayward's sword and i think it's i think i might regret it in the future but i'll stick with it for now i am firmly anti hayward uh not anti sword anti hayward uh cuz i think monica is is the true heir of sword um, now, Pete, just so I'm clear here, what you're what you're proposing is uh, we are roughly halfway through this story. I mean, maybe you want to maybe you want to delineate um, the fact that the first two episodes, by and large, were only in the sitcom. Uh, pardon me for the first three. Maybe you want to delineate, like, in terms of the the outside the world story. We're not at half at a halfway point yet. Are you proposing that Hayward is the patented Marvel villain who at the halfway point goes from ally to villain? I'm not prepared to say that. I think it's a larger play. I I feel like this is the way in which they're going to start to be more so than the Sokovian accords and, and rule of law that if you have these powers, you need to be registered and, You can only use them under certain authorizations, more so the suspicion that is in the X-Men stories and films that this kid can shoot ice. Uh, I am terrified of him because he's going through puberty, he's uncontrollable, and all the metaphor that the, the comics used to tell that i i'm just not quite sure matt this aspiring uh screenwriter hasn't cracked this story how's that can i can i lay it on the line anymore Uh, and i think that speaks to how they really have created this complex thing where literally the unimaginable could happen and you would accept it because it's magic or it's going to be devilish forces or things of that sort um but we're also working in some very tight constraints of, you know, if we are in a sitcom next week, it is going to be a 90s sitcom. Like, that's the rule. Um, so it, it's weird to be really straight-jacketed in on some things and then have the potential for Patrick Stewart to show up following Evan Peters, that kind of thing. And then with their own rules and where they might relax them. So how does Wanda maintain her power she's been brought back um from the mind stone but vision is reanimated without the mind stone in his forehead and it's asked aloud in this question it's not answered uh 
this occurs in a place that's now been referred to and accepted by other characters as the Hex. Uh, and Hex connection to, you know, witches and magic and whatnot. Hexmen? <laughs> Indeed. Is, is, will that become the thing? Is uh, Pietro Maximoff a Hexman? Well, it, it, Pietro, he... Hex, it's the he X, you know. Um, I, I, I think we're being a bit. X. Yeah, I mean, I think we're being a bit goofy with it, but it, I mean, it proves that it proves that this show really is existing on the edge of the sword, where I think we would accept it. Like we would say, oh, that's that's how they name X Men in the, in for the MCU. We would accept it as ridiculous as it is because it's a ridiculous. And I mean that in the best sense. It, it it really isn't anything goes type of story. So let me propose this, Matt. Uh, and again, Disney Plus continues to do this thing where an episode is available and it has only a number. And at some point, if not later the day of its release or later in the week of its release, it suddenly, without fanfare, gets an episode title i viewed this episode without a title which later was a very special episode could matt could next week or a later installment be referred to as hexman 2 and also incorporate aaron taylor johnson's quicksilver first of all i'm surprised to hear about the title um situation and i'm glad to get the update when i watched this in the six o'clock hour on friday it had a it had the title um so it's it's weird it's not the 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 length of time that there was a couple episodes ago so it's just i'm gonna begin screenshotting them and and try to get the clock in the in the photo but i'm telling you right now and as late as the five o'clock hour it did not have it because i went back and, and rewatched a couple scenes interesting as for this notion that the title might end up being revealed as something surprising and shocking i feel like the disney plus of all places they know that some things are made for now but that they live they live forever so i think the ability to i don't know what you get out of wowing your audience next week or the following week or that sort of thing with um da, 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 da. it took until the afternoon to reveal that this was a really juicy title that spoils things there still is going to be the next person who watches it brand new the next day the next week month year and so forth so i'm going to vote no for that one wanda rewriting reality um to what extent can that happen does it extend past the hex will it eventually well this episode leans in heavy on our earnest good-hearted unambiguously you know heroic normal heroes normal with an asterisk for monica but jimmy darcy monica all are making suppositions and i do wonder if the show is building a house of cards in order to knock it down fine we are told that you know we are told that Wanda is rewriting reality. We're told that by somebody who can't definitively say it. However, somebody who has served a story 
uh, role in prior episodes to make things clear and to ask audience questions or give audience answers. So I'm a little I'm a little leery of the notion. Kind of, I'm not saying don't trust those three characters, but they are making suppositions that I don't, you know, like all we need is to sit and go, oh my goodness, I thought Wanda was rewriting reality when in fact it was the hollow projector that we didn't know was had a 10 mile radius or when in fact it was, it was Dottie all along. It was the devil. It was whatever it is. I think that our understanding of reality, ironically, can be superseded by, uh, by a new truth, um, as we get later into these episodes. And then last one from me here, Matt, the, the tigers, this is a really intentional choice at a couple points in this episode, the references to cats. We know that Agnes could be Agatha Harkness, cats, tigers. Um, what do you think about that? Pete, I think that it's clear that not only does Marvel have access uh, through some form or another, have access to the um, the Sony Spider-Man uh, film universe, you know, which with Tom Holland has been kind of part and parcel with the MCU, but they have access to that. They have access to the 20th Century Fox X-Men uh, characters. But I think that your question here about cats is proof that behind the scenes, they have made a deal with uh, Universal Studios, who of course has the Hulk movie rights. They've made a separate deal. And between now and the end of the season, we will see the addition of the Cats movie universe, and we will get Rum Tum Tugger and all the rest joining the X Men and the Avengers soon. That's got to be the answer, right? Please, God, no. <laughs> um, a bit more seriously, I don't know what to do with these cat references if it's a deep cut to, um, if it's deep cut to, you know, the character of Black Cat. Well, no, that's still a Spider Man property, and Sony is still kind of keeping up the boundaries where it can, where it is legally entitled to, I might add. Um, Pete, maybe a deal's been done with DC for Cheetah? No, that doesn't make any sense either. So to me, that's an outstanding mystery that uh, we'll have to keep an eye on for in the future. You want to go where people know People are all the same You want to go where everybody knows your name Last call to share your thoughts. Pete, we're going to start with a really thoughtful uh, message on Twitter from David Siller. That's at Siller David Poet, who says, It's been a while, but as always, love listening to the pods. I'm going to start by saying that all those naysayers and poo-pooers during the first two episodes don't deserve the WandaVision we're getting. Five in, and we've discovered so much. And I fear it's just, uh, it's still just near the surface. It's delivering in every way. I have to admit, I fanboyed a little too loudly when Monica and Jimmy had their Who's the Strongest Avenger moment. Of all the things to discuss in the episode, I want to posit this theory. I think Wanda being in control is a red herring. Pete, maybe a red-haired herring? Um, She's being duped or manipulated. The way I read it, Agnes, who may be Agatha Harkness, as has been suspected, is working with someone else. Maybe it's Mephisto. Maybe it's another sorcerer. Is there an argument to be made that it's Mordo? Uh, these two are working together to try to revive Vision for their own nefarious schemes, and they have gotten Wanda on board 
uh, because she just might be powerful enough to do it. Wanda being the front woman convinces, pardon me, Agnes being the front woman convinces Wanda to get Vision's corpse from Sword. Then together they create Westview with the help from a mysterious third person. Wanda is convinced it will keep her and Vision safe, not knowing that it's serving the purposes of Agnes at all. When Norm says that she's in control, he's referring to Agnes, not Wanda. Wanda's defense against Sword plays into the plans of Agnes and her co-conspirator. Whoever that may be shows up at the end of this episode as Pietro. It explains the recast and Wanda's confusion. Uh, who does so because their ruse may be unraveling. It's an attempt to save their plot. Does this make any sense to you? What say you? And as a last thought, seeing WandaVision once a week has given me crazy feels for our weekly watches of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I also miss our weekly live tweets for that show. What if Fantastic Geek sponsors a live tweet of the final episode of WandaVision, say 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern? There'd be plenty of time to get the word out, and it'd be a great send-off to the last episode of this first MCU Disney Plus success. Keep up the great work, and as ever, stay fantastic. That with a PH. And Pete, that from David Siller, you know, the poet, as he says. <laughs> uh, I would definitely be down for a live tweet. I, I miss that. Um, we did that for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for seven years when those aired over the air and we watched them and at least four of those years it was live tweet and note up an episode and then immediately podcast it after i mean matt it feels like a lifetime ago and it also feels like i'd never be able to do that again i know even even having podcasted wandavision and that other thing that patrons have access to that we'll be landing on fantasticgeek.com and the pop culture podcast uh, later this week doing two of those this weekend that secret thing in wandavision it's like yeah i think we pete we did the marathon when we needed the marathon now we're more in sprint mode um but let's stick with twitter here let's check out our poll for episode five pete i will say the most voted on poll that we have ever done uh, come and knock on our door. You never know who's going to stop by WandaVision. What did episode five leave you saying? Uh, for one star, Deadpool as a doornail got 2%. Two stars droned on and on. I'm particularly proud of that wordplay. 0%. Three stars, huh? He who? Got 4%. And then four stars, letter X, X sighting with a little runner emoji, got 94%. Um, this also probably our highest rated poll that we've ever done. Um, the, I had then Pete run a second poll, um, which I, I, I worded ambiguously, uh, so as not to spoil anybody, but, uh, essentially I was asking, is it Quicksilver or not? And almost 60% of people said it's him 40% like David, who we just heard from saying it's someone else. Uh, then we have some re- replies here on Twitter, JT Atkins, that's at JTA is me saying with great power comes great trouble when one is grieving. We heard from James the Sagacious, that's at Big Killin on Twitter. Just brilliant. Smash it all together and take our money. Anyone notice Monica was not happy with the Captain Marvel name drop? Wanda must be under some dark influence, right? There has to be a sinister reason to bring it all together. Can't wait for Sunday. Uh, we heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln, that's at TessLC139. Uh, I mean, come on, who's given this episode one star? Uh, Pete, I would agree. It, this was a fantastic episode. Um, we heard from uh, Hail Hydra, that's at Hydra Lives. Family Ties set, fantastic. 
appears Wanda doesn't have total control. Kids aged on their own, couldn't find the dog, Vision the detective. Pietro shows up unexpectedly, that, quote, fox. <laughs> oh, good bit of wordplay there. Uh, need to watch the previous episodes, but something is up with that tiger. Did you notice the effect when she put it in the basket with the other toys? Um, how I did not, Pete. The the tiger going in the basket, I did not. I'll have to go back and check that out. Uh, how much does Agnes know? Is she Doctor Strange? That that That's swinging for a cameo right there. Swinging for the fences, <laughs> not swinging, you know, needlessly. Why did Monica gloss over Captain Marvel? Where's the beekeeper? And why was Billy's arm a different color in the painting? Oh, Pete, the, we're going to have to go back and rewatch some of these things. Yeah. Sorry, one more says Hail Hydra. No, no, no. No need to apologize. And the commercial this week about cleaning up mistakes, sadly hilarious. So your thoughts so far, Pete? Well, I think now that we've discussed this cameo and the Lagos commercial in such close uh, proximity, are they viewing the Fox X-Men universe as a mistake? Has it been cleaned up? I I know you had alluded to something like that before. I I think that they would be leaving behind so much story gold to say, um, to say as has been done in the comics, let's say in the last three, four years, oh, the two universes are now merged. Like if all of a sudden you go, oh, whoever is playing Cyclops, whether it's James Marsden, whether it's the other guy, uh, now there's a Cyclops. And he shoots laser beams out of his eyes. Like, I'd much rather have whatever your 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 initial event is, you know, the mist or the blast or whatever. And all of a sudden, it's been so long since we've gotten um, an X-Men origin story, a, a mutant origin story, a Fantastic Four origin story. We can return to those. Yes, the MCU has by and large moved on from, you know, oh, wait, now the power has been given to me. But I think enough time has gone on by where whenever it is, we can have that kind of day one thing, not, I guess, Pete, I'm arguing against not hiring Evan Peters to suddenly appear as Quicksilver. Somehow it's turned me around on my own theory. Um, Let's head back to Twitter. This is from Envisioning Wanda. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. The show gets better and better. Seeing her come out of the hex in the Scarlet Witch outfit was great. I was hoping Wu would say that was her special name. I feel bad for anyone who drops the show because they thought the first couple episodes were silly. The opening theme song and visuals are fantastic. Pete, that with a PH. Again, they are killing it on those every week. I'm dying to find, with a PH, out what the deal is with Agnes, especially after this. That scene, I think referring to, uh, to, um, well, to the Agnes scene there, seems to suggest that she knows what's going on, at least to some extent. Loving Darcy and Wu. Uh, we also heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln, TessLC139 on Twitter. Quick hits for episode 5. Brilliant 80s era opening theme song, The Best Yet. Swords Incursion and Wanda's response warning. Intense showdown. Love that she broke her own fourth wall to confront them. Ah, what a great way to put that. Uh, aging twins and Sparky. Wanda isn't in full control. Agnes is the key as she was always present. Did Agnes kill Sparky to provoke Wanda? Those are all good questions. Vision's emerging doubts about his existence and reality left me wanting more. So excited for the final three episodes. Marvel's killing it. Pete, we have four to go, right? Six, seven, eight, nine. So we have yes. we have four, not three. Um, and Spider-Man. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God, because though the the minute counts have have gotten longer, 
uh yeah i just i want so much more of this show uh, wrapping up Spider-Ham Lincoln's thoughts here, Pedro's unexpected arrival, though we, the viewers, had somewhat a heads up. I like how it was a shock to Wanda. Again, more evidence that she's not fully in control. Darcy, she recast Pietro. Perfect line. One of the other stories that popped up this week, Kat Dennings talked about the, the level of secrecy around Marvel. And obviously she had uh, participated in this universe before, but she indicated a, a pretty big change. Talk about how she was brought to their new headquarters and you sign the NDA and she goes back into the room and it's covered. The walls are covered with comic reference and they're drawing her diagrams of how this show is going to work. And, you know, to know that she knows this stuff and even then there are things she does not know uh to see how all this stuff would be connected integrated etc and that she's the one to utter the line oh they've recast pietro um yeah this show is operating on a next level whereas with mandalorian it's okay this is you know star wars tv and oh my god they did they did this and baby yoda and you know the the second season and the the links to which they continue to surpass itself the integration of not just now with a character from fox x-men the perceived believed coming integration of the sony spider-man characters um i don't know that there's anybody not named kevin feige who could possibly uh tackle this and we have the faith he's gonna tackle it he's he's not dropped the ball yet and getting this opportunity to be able to do it you know i remember when that acquisition with Fox happened and it was before infinity war. And we're like, all right, well, something happened there. You know, does Deadpool make a, a cameo and, and quick talk to the screen and then, you know, go away, wait, what happened there? Um, it's built up to such a point And now we're, we're finally getting these payoffs. Certainly as the post end game, um, let's say movie schedule continues to settle and you know changed by covid and so forth the notion that they are saving the fox gems for for later i mean even as we got one uh this week but the notion that that's going to fully unfurl um at a point that we don't yet understand uh i, I think that just adds to the anticipation pete one more tweet here wanted to make sure it didn't escape the pile uh this from jt atkins who says director hayward is the real bad guy he set the westview wheels in motion somehow in order to frame wanda and give an excuse for destroying her also hayward is trying to usurp monica as the rightful leader of sword i will disagree with the last point there but pete jt clearly team pete when it comes to uh putting a putting a, a red x next to hayward's name Matt loves Hayward. <laughs> I, I guess I'm sympathetic. I don't know. Matt loves Hayward. Sorry. Pete, what do you have there on Facebook? Facebook, Matt. We're going to begin with uh, a, a special shout out uh, from a piece of mail we haven't gotten yet, but a new listener. So I have a colleague uh, I work with, and her uh, recently turned 15 year old son, Gavin. 
um, who celebrated a birthday on January 29th. So happy belated, Gavin. Um, he has just discovered our podcast and he uh, his mom wrote uh, to me on Facebook. He was so excited to listen to today's podcast. So, Gavin, this podcast is for you. I hope we're answering your questions. I had told her he could reach out either through her or uh you know to me directly uh with questions he might have uh and i'll i'll throw my email out there to my fantastic geek email uh gavin if you'd like that's peter at fantasticgeek.com uh or you know you could have uh, mom type something on on facebook or whatever hopefully we're answering all your burning questions matt i can't imagine my 15 year old self watching this show and the ability to which my mind would swirl of all this stuff i mean so 15 what was possibly going on in terms of pop culture that might have been on this level Maybe the length to which, uh, you know, there were going to be two Star Trek shows. So Next Generation was on and Deep Space Nine was being kicked around. So maybe the idea that, wow, you know, Worf could wind up one day on Deep Space Nine would have been like my thing. And now a, a 23 film universe this the first Disney plus Marvel Studios show, all these other shows coming. Uh, Gavin, you live in a great world. Yes, this is this is <laughs> this is the greatest of all times for all this info to be happening for all these shows to be happening, the cross pollination and all of it. It's uh, certainly an exciting time. I am envious. Uh, continuing on Matt on uh, Facebook here. Um, Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Uh, I don't even know what to think after this episode. Uh, Wanda recognized Pietro immediately. Is she able to cross barriers of the multiverse? Is she drawing on power from the multiverse, resulting in her massive power-up? Is the old aerospace engineer Monica mentioned important? Wanda implies that she is in control of the environment, yet claims not to know how they got there or how it originated. Is Agnes boosting Wanda's abilities? Is she obviously aware of the artificial nature of Westview? I loved how Wanda tried to cut the conversation short by rolling credits um, and the commercials References to negative experiences in Wanda's past make me wonder if she hasn't already gone insane and Agnes is actually trying to help her regain control. So many questions and we have to wait another week? Well, this is the way. At first, this was the new show I was least excited about, but how wrong I was. I cannot get enough. Bring on episode six. Make mine Marvel and stay fantastic with the PH. I hadn't stopped to consider that maybe the multiverse is somehow playing into the the inception of what we're seeing. Uh, because what we are seeing each week is a 
you know, an altered reality, uh, you know, multiple ways to, to view Wanda and Vision, you know, through the sitcom lens and all that. It comes, so much of this comes down to has the show introduced the multiverse here or not? And I think that I was somewhat on the, or, or will the show, I think I was somewhat on the fence before this episode ended. Again, I just continue to reject the notion that they recast with a guy that looks like Evan Peters, who also coincidentally played Quicksilver in another thing. No, no, no. The multiverse is upon us. It just got slow-pedaled by a ding-dong and can a long-lost sister get a hug. Greg Gear writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Quick note, among all the agencies camped outside of Westview, there was no mention of S.H.I.E.L.D. I fear with the introduction of S.W.O.R.D., that we sadly won't hear S.H.I.E.L.D. mentioned in any of the Disney Plus series. Pete, in the last week since our last podcast, that is to say, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. visual effects guru uh, Mark Kolpak, uh, who also had directed an episode in the seventh season, um, said that they considered the show to uh, as to having moved into S.W.O.R.D., uh, for several seasons, but they were continually told they could not use that reference. And indeed, they had scripted and perhaps shot reference in the series finale to some of the agents now working for S.W.O.R.D. And then they were specifically told that shall not make it into the final episode. Um, so, again, I remember reading the uh, reading one of the you know Michael Eisner, Bob Iger kind of books and being surprised that in a corporation where they want to make things that just sell product and in TV and film, it's make things that people enjoy to watch how egos can still drive the conversation and not what's best for story, what's best for product. So would I believe that shield is done because Kevin Feige didn't like the victory laps that, um, that Marvel TV took at his expense, and now Feige is the boss, I would believe it, even as much as Feige is the hero of all of these productions. It's so funny that you say that, Matt, because I've been told by screaming headlines from strangely named fringe publications all week, and actually since August, that um, Chloe Bennett has secretly already been cast or will be cast in an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. revival or will be directly brought into one of these other shows. And uh, it was so strange when the actress responded on Friday, I wish. Look, anything's possible, but with what? With Ms. Marvel to look forward to and all that that represents on its own fun action-adventure merits as well as representation and Hawkeye, and, you know, as we sit here uh, in the can, but not yet released, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki. Uh, and what? What's farther down the line? We've got She-Hulk. We have uh, Moon Knight. What's the what, 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 what am I missing there? Um, let alone all these movies. The notion that it's a good corporate idea. Let's take egos out of it entirely. The notion that it's a good corporate idea to revive characters, storylines, etc. from a low-rated broadcast show as much as we loved S.H.I.E.L.D. when it was at its best. It just doesn't make corporate sense when you can say, are we going to do new old S.H.I.E.L.D. or are we going to do, you know, Kamala Khan and 
a new new Ms. Marvel and so forth. So I, I, the odds are stacked against. But Pete, five years ago, nobody saw uh, X-Men Quicksilver showing up in the MCU TV show about Wanda. So crazier things could happen. Two Apple podcasts, Matt, where we asked and our listeners responded. Uh, and we've gotten a number of ratings. We've gotten a number of reviews, but we can always use more. So please get on that if you could. Uh, Michael Dixon, 1025, writes in the headline, Holy cow, five stars. And he writes, I am a new listener to the Fantastic Eve podcast. But when I was looking for a discussion regarding the WandaVision series, I am so glad that I chose this one. They do such a great job deep diving into every episode and keeping it understandable for the more common Marvel fan. I just finished episode four, and all I can say is, holy cow. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on where we are headed next. I'm sure this series will be nothing short of fantastic, pun intended. Thank you, Michael, and I think you raise a good point, which is, which is worthwhile that everybody keeps in mind, which is this. This show is being made, yes, for the hardcore MCU fan, yes, for the comic fan, and also, yes, for the more casual fan. When, when we got done with this episode, my daughter said, oh, look, it's suggesting Age of Ultron. Let's watch that. And my response was, I don't think I've, I think I've only seen Age of Ultron all the way through one time at the movies. I wasn't crazy about it for the reason, for all the reasons why it didn't do as well as it should have been, and blah blah blah. And ended up giving, you know, giving Feige head of Marvel Studios independently, blah blah blah, for all the, for all those merits. Point being, there's always new audience out there, so this is always an entry point. So I think sometimes when we say, I know it must be Mephisto because they have actually adapted a three-issue storyline from 1978-1979, could it be? Yes. But keep in mind, too, that they are also telling a story for new people and that, you know, that, that there's different, there's different uh, audiences to be serviced there. Coach Pritch writes in to Apple Podcast. Uh, the fantastic crew does it again, five stars. And his review reads, Somehow my fellow Jersey Shore natives continue to pump out podcast after podcast. This is another MCU winner. Re, uh, read all the comics and seen all the movies? These guys will entertain you with thought-provoking theories. Wait, you didn't know there was a 12-issue limited series starting The Scarlet Witch and Vision in the 80s? Don't worry, my boys will get you up to speed. Keep it up, fellas, and thanks again. Thank you, Coach, for the kind words. And, uh, you know, we got here the same way you get to Carnegie Hall. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> and then Kate Mac Blackett. Uh, writes in four-star review headline help helping me uh, irritate my teen less uh, and her review reads as a middle-aged mom who has managed to keep the barest of grasps on the mcu but who enjoyed most of the movies in the theater with my family your podcast lets me enjoy the episodes without endlessly pelting my 16 year old daughter with "Ooh, did you see the brooch uh, what does it mean? Uh, why is she repeating? Stop it. And they don't notice how Vision saves the boss. Who is Geraldine? Why is the helicopter in color? Why? What? How? 
And worst of all, which Olsen twin is that? Uh, face palm emoji. Daughter has been happy. I found some answers slash theories on my own. Well, we love to hear that the podcast is accessible to fans of all, uh, let's say, levels of MCU knowledge and whatnot. Uh, again, I think the intention of this series is to be accessible to all. So the fact that we're helping old listeners and new listeners alike is really, really so gratifying. With that, Pete, let's head to the email inbox where we hear from 084, who says as follows, So much happened, I don't know even how to process it all. This is definitely my favorite episode of the show so far, but I'm sure it'll keep getting better from here. I do wonder just how many things they're seeding with this one series. Doctor Strange 2 and Spider-Man 3 clearly, but a Fox mutant finally crossing over. Captain Marvel 2 with Monica's origin, and maybe uh, Kamala's, uh, if the Maximoff anomaly replaces the comics's Terrigen bomb. Young Avengers with Billy and Tommy, and I've even heard that the astrophysicist and large containment vessel, oh my goodness, Pete, I hadn't even thought of this, could lead to Fantastic Four. I had not considered that. Let's circle back to that in a second. To wrap yes. up OE4's thoughts here, uh, all that to say, generally the product, the projects that serve as MCU linchpins like Iron Man 2 and Age of Ultron aren't looked back on favorably. Civil War was the rare one that managed to jumpstart characters and still hold up really well. I'm happy to see that this show is living up to that incredibly difficult task. Keep it up, Marvel. Pete, that from 084. Pete, are we getting Reed Richards by the end of this series? <laughs> I mean, would that constitute a cameo? Uh, so long as it's not, uh, how do you say the guy's first name? Yoen. Uh, what's that? Yoen Grofeld. Uh, who has left his wife and children this week. And that was a story. Uh, and not as if, you know, families unfortunately can't you know dissolve through divorce but uh let let's hope he's not uh the mr fantastic that they might reach for from the fox side uh his personal goings on aside um i think a reed richards fantastic four possibility like now 084 has just lit that up as a theory um and again yoan grufford's uh, personal issues aside, if if let me put it this way, Pete, if Disney is sitting on footage of him showing up in episode 108 or 109 with the lead shield anti radiation thing, and he's he says, "Hi, I'm Doctor Reed Richards." I think it is certainly unfortunate that his family is in the process of dissolving and so forth. I think that it's far enough away, like from now, where it'll just be like, "We're going to go with that footage." With that, Pete, this is an episode where the character that you couldn't possibly imagine would come knocking on the door. Pete, we've had that happen within our podcast family. After, after saying that there would not be a crossover event, it is now time, ding dong, for Fred from the Netherlands to share his thoughts. Hello, Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for WandaVision Season 1 or no season episode five your call out to me in the episode four podcast forced me of course to give some reaction to wonder vision originally i was not planning to watch this series uh, what i saw about it was a little silly etc but okay the episodes are short so i thought i'd just try it 
And one of the other reasons I didn't want to watch it, because I'm not that far into the Marvel Cinematic Universe films and series, so I was very much afraid to catch some spoilers. But now I've seen five episodes. It's actually that the things I didn't see in the Marvel Universe, I just don't get. And the references that are in it are so hidden that I just, it goes by and I just don't understand it. And if there are spoilers for future series or films, by the time I watch them, I will have forgotten them anyhow. So I do like this series, it's very funny and the construction of course is very nice. It took me a while to realize that it's not Wanda and Vision, but it's possibly Wanda's vision or Wanda's fantasy or Wanda's illusion. Of course we had a big reveal, which you uh, at least saw coming uh, in episode 4 and now we continue in episode 5. And the bubble Wanda creates for herself is becoming more and more clear. She even steps out because her bubble is threatened. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, so great to have Fred back, and I think he uh, he speaks to the ease that there is to use this show as an entry point. It is something that has crossed my mind. You know, if you're trying to get a new person into into the MCU, you know, obviously you don't need to watch Iron Man one to get this show. But like, at what point is there enough knowledge? Um, I think ultimately you can start with this show, and then if you go, oh, it's recommended Age of Ultron. Well, I know how Age of Ultron ends. Wanda is okay, and the brother dies. I think. All right. Well, with, if that's all you have, you can still go back and watch this at this point older movie and still have a fantastic experience. It's a curious phenomenon that's developed within these franchises that extend over multiple films and series in the last couple of years, like an intimidation of biting off too more than too much to chew or that, well, it's too much of a time investiture. I got a new follower the other day on Twitter who DM'd me and was like, hey, I, I saw Mandalorian in your um, your Twitter bio. Uh, I'm a casual, maybe even a little bit more than casual Star Wars fan. I haven't watched it. Should I watch it? And of course I was like, hey, I think you'll really enjoy it. You don't need to be completely conscious of all the Star Wars stuff. I think, you know, having seen the movies, you'll get more. And then there's the level to which people are going to watch Clone Wars and Rebels. And then the phenomenon that, you know, no Mandalorian now, no Bad Batch yet. There are people who have uh, dived into Clone Wars, into Rebels, that sort of thing. So, I mean, like you're saying, Disney Plus, all this buzz around WandaVision, people getting into it, now going back and, and watching, re-watching the films. Um, you know, even the idea that all the Marvel shows before this, you know, that's that's the painful part about, all right, well, where is the mention of S.H.I.E.L.D. in there? Was that in a draft? And then Mr. Feige's like, <clears throat> uh, Jack... I know you are our head writer, but um, yeah, we, yeah, I'm going to take that out there. 
Here's my red marker. X, X, X. <laughs> no. And, you know, is is that a, a thing? I, I think we're, you know, being facetious, but you never know. I mean, they're, they're clearly in Hollywood is a sense of, of ego, and I get it. Um, it's hard to imagine that something that's been filmically and on the TV side canonical now becoming like mutants was uh, <clears throat> in humans, uh, you know, can't say it. The, the organization that shall not be named. And then that's where Mark Holpak's uh, Twitter response is so interesting that they were forbidden from saying, from directly referencing S.W.O.R.D. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and, you know, Fred actually publicly will, you know, on Facebook and elsewhere talk about, you know, what he's watching. He is actually going back through the Marvel Netflix and then into the, the films uh, in and out of in the order in which they aired. And he's he's trying to catch up. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, that it's part of the discussion, that it's part of this history that uh, Marvel in general and then Marvel Studios has. Pete, how else can people keep the conversation going as we prognosticate week after week with WandaVision? How can people talk to you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,776 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. For those subscribed to the Pop Culture Podcast feed, keep an eye out midweek for another goodie. Maybe, Pete, I'll, I'll say here towards the end, another MCU goodie. Um... Also, we prognosticate in that episode that there could be breaking news about the future of MCU uh, shows on Disney+. Plus. It could be breaking news at any time, so who knows what we will talk about in the coming week, especially in a post-Super Bowl advertisement scenario. But for now, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Waiter, what's this canine doing into my kitchen sink? You'll see that life is a ball again. Laughter is calling for you. Down at our rendezvous. Down at our rendezvous, please stop the retune.